Well, good morning. My message today is entitled Protector and Defender. And this is one of those messages that I sat at my laptop and just wrote out the whole sermon. It was such a download. And what I did not know was that during the week that I was preparing this, uh, a young boy, of course, got murdered here in Singapore and that's sent shockwaves uh, in the nation. And I know that many fathers and many parents are concerned about sending their kids to school. Uh, are there any guarantees about their safety? And all those questions are legitimate. And I believe that the Holy Spirit gave me this word as a word of encouragement to all the parents, a word of encouragement to all of you here in Cornerstone of his protection and of his defense in your life. Amen. My my text today is Psalms 18 and verse 2, and this is a Psalm of David. He wrote the Psalm after God gave him victory over all his enemies. And he said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer, my God, my strength in whom I trust, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold. Wow. The Good News translation says it this way, the Lord is my protector. Man, don't you just love that? He is my protector. He's my strong fortress. The Lord is my protection, and with him I am saved. He protects me like a shield and he defends me and keeps me safe. Amen. I'd like to begin this message by recounting two stories for you. One that happened many years ago and one just that happened just recently. When I was about eight or nine years of age, I was out cycling with a group of friends. Uh, I was the youngest in the group and my bicycle was the smallest. And so I was trailing way behind everybody else. And all of a sudden, I was pounced upon by a group of about 15 youths with armored sticks. Now, one to one, that's a fight. 15 to one, it's a massacre. Man, they beat the heck out of me. All right. When I got back home, I was all bruised and I, my grandfather noticed it. I, I, he said, what happened? I told him what happened. And, you know, he said to my mom, get into the car. And he took a huge stick and he went out looking for them. Now, my grandfather was a big man. He was about six foot tall, had a temper. He was a Shanghainese carpenter, you know, with three fingers missing. And that's how you actually recognize a master craftsman. Uh, he didn't manage, of course, to catch the perpetrators. But I tell you this, man. I was never more proud of my grandfather that day because there was someone I knew who would fight for me and who would defend me. And we all need people. We all need people in our lives that we know can and will fight for us. We all need protectors. Amen. The second incident happened recently. I was attacked verbally um, by someone through an email. And you know, I often shrug these things off very easily. I have a shield of faith that, that I have it, that quenches the fiery darts of the enemy. But this time around, I think I was, uh, a, you know, maybe a callous, uh, an arrow just went past my armor and I felt a deep hurt in my spirit. And when you have a wound, you have to tend to it, right? Because it can, it can uh, spring up and become a, a, a festering sore and, and, and infect many people. So I called a friend, someone who I respected, to pray for me. I needed someone to fight for me at that moment. And I think I made a mistake. This friend of mine was a pacifist, hallelujah. And instead of praying to fight for me and cover me, man, he was trying to talk sense to me. Oh, this guy, maybe, you know, he had his reasons and maybe you need to be gracious and forgiving and all that jazz. and. And the last thing I needed, man, was, uh, was, uh, was uh, to hear that, right? What I needed at that moment was someone like the Terminator, you know, hasta la vista, baby, man. <laughs> I needed someone like Elijah, call fire from heaven, man, and burn down my adversaries. And I know that sounds a little carnal, and it is, I confess. But what I needed at that moment was someone like my grandfather, someone who would stand for me, who would fight for me, amen. You know, 31 years in ministry, I have come to realize that at certain periods of your life, certain aspects of the Godhead are more prominent than others. All are important, but certain aspects are emphasized more than others when you're growing up, at a, when you are maturing in your midlife. But now at this stage in my life, the two aspects of God that are very prominent in my life are number one, the fatherhood of God, and number two, His protection. I'm very aware of the protection 
of the Lord. It's very big. It's a big part of the covenant with us and God protects what He says. Amen. He ring fences what belongs to Him and He has promised that He will protect us and He's not a man that He should lie, nor the Son of Man that He should repent, right? The promise of protection is offered again and again in the Scriptures. David could say, you are my refuge, you are my fortress, my high tower, my deliverer, my shield, my, my defender. Come on. And all that is to reveal to us God's protective instincts because above all that God is, He is first of all a father. And the nature of a father is to protect and provide. And these are the two, by the way, two of the great blessings in our salvation. Amen. Provision and protection. You know, the greatest prayer in the Bible is recorded in John 17. It's the high priestly prayer of our Lord Jesus Christ. And in it, we find Jesus fulfilling His ministry. And then He prays three things for His disciples. Now watch this, please. Watch this, because this is how we are to pray for our people and for our families. He said three things. Number one, He said, keep them in thy name. Number two, sanctify them in your word. Your word is truth. And number three, keep them from evil. Keep them from the evil one. Two out of three prayers has to do with protection, man. Has to do with protection. Keep them in, in thy name. This is the key to protection to keep us in his name. And then the protection to keep us from the enemy. And this is how the Lord prays for us. Hallelujah. And then he had taught us another prayer in Matthew chapter 6, what we call the believer's prayer. We often call it the Lord's prayer, but it's the believer's prayer. And in the last part of the prayer, Jesus told us to pray, lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Again, all that is designed for our protection. Now here's some piece of advice, right? Both prayers are vital to, for us to pray every day. Jesus' prayer in John 17 and the prayer that Jesus taught us to pray in Matthew 11. Whether you like, feel I like it or not, I want to encourage you be faithful to pray these two prayers on a daily basis. Now every morning I recite and pray several passages of scripture. One of them is Psalms 103 in the first five verses. And in the first five verses, we find the five great blessings of salvation. Forgiveness, healing, redemption, provision, and protection. I, bless the Lord of my soul, right? And all that is within me, bless His holy name. Bless the Lord of my soul and forget not all His benefits. What are the benefits of the Lord? He forgives all my iniquities, heals all my diseases, redeems my life from destruction, crowns me with loving kindness, and satisfies my mouth with good things. Why? So that my youth is restored like an eagle. Now, watch verse 4. It says, He crowns you with loving kindness and tender mercies. The word crown is better translated encircle, which is a word that's used in protection. He encircles us with songs of deliverance. He ring fences what belongs to him. And I tell you, this is one of the great blessings of our salvation. Job had a hedge of protection around him and all that belonged to him. It just, just wasn't him, but all that belonged to him, including his possessions. And Satan could not touch it because he, he was protected. Amen. Another psalm that I recite every morning of the first 15 verses of Psalm 34, I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble will hear of it and be glad. Oh, come magnify the Lord with me. Let us exalt His name together. I sought the Lord. He heard me and delivered me from all my fears. Amen. And then it says, uh, they looked to Him and were radiant. Their faces were not ashamed. This poor man cried out and the Lord delivered him from all his troubles. And then watch this, please. The angel of the Lord encamps around those that fear him. And again, that is designed for protection. Man, I, I tell you this, my friends, you've got to learn to be aware of the presence of angels around our lives. Constantly, they're watching over us. Several years ago, I was driving along the ECP and I was coming off ramp 
to the Rocha Road exit. And there was, I was distracted by the Chingay rehearsal that was going on on the left-hand side. And you know, I was, while I was looking at it momentarily, I, my car rammed the sidewall of the barrier and it shook so violently. And I thought, oh my, the first thing that I thought was, oh my, my wife's gonna kill me. <laughs> I don't know why that came to my mind. Uh, and I thought, oh goodness, the car is, is, is gonna be badly bruised. And so I found the nearest car park and I, I, to inspect the car. And I tell you, God's my witness, man. I, I searched hard to find a single scratch. There was not a single scratch on my car. Come on. I met one of my pastors later on that day and I recounted the story to him. And then I said, I thank God that I was driving a German car, not at some, okay, a German car. And immediately the Lord rebuked me and corrected me. He says, it wasn't the car that protected you. Come on, my friends. Come on. My spiritual father, Brother Bailey, uh, told us a story one time. He said that was, he was driving on a snowy day. The, the roads were icy. And he spun around and uh, crossed the barrier onto the oncoming traffic. Man, that's dangerous, right? But when you have a semi-trailer coming straight at you at a very high speed, I'm telling you, it is a, it's almost fatal, right? And he said while he was on the road facing the semi-trailer, he saw a hand appear right in front of him, took the steering wheel, jerked it. I don't know what happened. The car spun bedwards, bed, and then it came back to the, the, the original lane. And the, the semi-trailer whoosh, passed right him. And the guy looked out from the window, looking at Brother Bailey and he, with eyes like an owl. It was like amazement. So, How did you do that? I tell you this, hallelujah. His angels watch over us all the time. Amen. We've got to learn to trust this. And you know, one more story that he told was so amazing. When he was a younger man, he brought a group of senior citizens to, for a walk in the beach. And there was a little a steep incline. And he, was, he climbed up the incline. And what he did not know was all those old people also started climbing up the incline. And one of them, um, you know, the, the rock under her, her feet started loosening and then it, it started rolling down and she almost tripped and, and, he, and Brother Bailey said to me, he said, I cried out to the Lord. He said, Lord, you send me to save people, not kill people. And he said, immediately his eyes were open. He said, behind every senior citizen was an angel standing and holding them. Come on, I tell you this, that we must be more aware of the angels that encamp around us all the time. Amen. Another great Psalm is Psalm 91. This is something called the Psalm of protection and believers in every age turn to this psalm, especially in times of danger and trouble. During this COVID uh, season, many many people are finding their refuge in Psalm 91. Now we do not know who wrote the psalm, but in the Septuagint, because there's no superinscription, but in the Septuagint, uh, it is recorded that as a psalm of David. The Septuagint is a translation of the Hebrew text in Greek. Psalm 91 was discovered uh, with four other psalms in the Dead Sea Scrolls, and they're not in the Hebrew Bible, but these psalms are what we call warfare psalms. Now, I don't know Hebrew. I won't try and dwell into something that's not my expertise, but I heard a, a, an awesome message by Dr. Michael Heiser, an erudite Jewish scholar, and he said words like pestilence, that's deba in the Hebrew, uh, destruction, dakha, uh, arrows, kites, uh, Terra Pakat, I think that's how you pronounce it. All these are names of Canaanite gods. Now, obviously, with an, to an ignorant Gentile like me, I had no idea. But to an Israelite, those Canaanite deities are demonic. And so this psalm really has to do with protection from demons. And if you read the Old Testament, you will discover that there's not a single reference of a demon being cast out. 
There's a lot of warfare, but there's, you don't see a hostile spirit being evicted from a person. It only happened when Jesus showed up in the New Testament. Come on. Why? Because the Jews believed that it was a sign of Messiahship, the casting out of demons. Where did this come from? It came from the second temple period. They believed that some of the phrases that Solomon and David used uh, in their writings indicated that they had authority over evil spirits. And the rationale is that if the son of God, if the Messiah, who is the greatest son of David, then he would be able to cast out demons as well. So when Jesus shows up and starts casting out evil spirits, the people immediately, immediately recognize his Messiahship because this is what the Messiah would do when he appears. And isn't it strange that Satan would use Psalm 91 against Jesus in the temptation in the wilderness. Now here's another beautiful picture of uh, his protection. You know, there are only two great intercessors in, in Scripture, the Holy Spirit and our Lord Jesus Christ. And they're both uh, recorded for us in Romans chapter 8. While speaking of the Holy Spirit, the Apostle Paul says in Romans 8 and verse 26, For we do not know what we ought to pray as we ought to, but the Spirit Himself makes intercession for us with groanings that cannot be uttered. Now the Holy Spirit is the great intercessor on the earth, right? And He is always seeking for vessels in whom He can make prophetic decrees, in whom He can travail, and in whom He can pray faith-filled prayers. Amen. Hallelujah. And then we see the, the prayer ministry of our Lord Jesus in verse 34. It's Christ who is even at the right hand of God who also makes intercession for us. Now, if you think that Jesus' prayer ministry ceased after he died, man, you are sorely mistaken, right? He ever lives woo, to make intercession for us. Now, right smack between those two great verses, the Holy Spirit, our intercessor, Jesus, the intercessor, is the verse Romans 8, 28. For we know all things work together for good to those who love God and who are called according to His purpose. Now, how could Paul say that, man? How could Paul say that all things work together for good? I'll tell you why. Because two great intercessors are praying for us. Two great intercessors are praying for us. Make no mistake about it. When all is said and done, when you cross that finishing line, when you stand before the Lord, we will and we must acknowledge that it was only by His grace that he, we are standing there, that He prayed for us. And His prayers includes the prayer of protection. My friends, we must not be naive about this because it will keep you from pride. Amen. If you think you can do it on your own, that's pride and that's self-engrandizement. I'm telling you, my friends, the only reason why you make it at the end is because He prayed for you, because of His grace for you. Hallelujah. One time, Satan asked permission for Jesus to test Simon Peter. How many of you are glad that he has to ask permission before he tests us? Come on. And you know, if the Lord allows us to be tested, it's because He knows by His grace, He will pull us through. Amen. But look at what the Lord said to Simon Peter. He says, Satan has asked to sift you like weed, but I, I have prayed for you that your faith should not fail. And when you have returned, strengthen your brethren. Peter finished his race well. He finished his race strong because Jesus prayed for him. Hallelujah. My friends, you and I only stand because the Lord has been praying for us and is continually praying for us. That is his intercessory ministry in heaven. What do you think the saints in heaven are doing? What do you think the cloud of witnesses in heaven are doing? Do you think they're floating in clouds, shooting arrows at one another? No, they're praying for the church on the earth. They're praying for the church on the earth. And that's why the church on the earth has to rise up, hallelujah, and allow the Holy Spirit to start travailing and to start praying. Our prayers must match that of heaven. Come on, hallelujah. Woo! 
I believe the Holy Ghost is speaking to some of you right now because God is talking to you about praying for revival here. He's going to put a spirit of revival upon this community of people. I believe this with all my heart. We're going to carry the fire and the great prayer of the Welsh revival. Send the fire and send the spirit now in Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. Come on, let's pray right now. Send the fire, Lord. Send the wind. Send the rain. Send the cloud. Send the dove. And send the Holy Spirit now for Jesus' sake. Hallelujah. You know, as a father, I pray for protection over my children and my family on a daily basis. That's my responsibility as a dad. As a pastor, I pray for covering and I decree protection over Cornerstone and over all our affiliates. And that is my role as your shepherd. Every morning I pray. Seven different things over the congregation. No cancer, no premature deaths, no suicides, no abortions, no miscarriages, no COVID. No sexual immorality in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. No divorce. And, you know, and I'm praying also no Parkinson's and no Alzheimer's. Hallelujah. Praying over the house. That's my responsibility as a watchman. And I've discovered people need to know that they're safe. People want to be in a safe place. And when I mean safe place, I mean a place where they know they're out of reach from the enemy. And the enemy is kept at bay because her shepherds diligently watch over the house of God. Come on, hallelujah. Shandaraba. Oh, I feel the anointing of the Holy Spirit right now. You know, in scripture, the Lord protects us from the powers of darkness. And he does it by various means. The principal means is by his blood. Well, the blood of Jesus is as powerful, is as efficacious and as potent as it is today as it was when Jesus first shed it at Calvary. When you are under the blood, Witchcraft, divination, spells, incantations, they have no power over you, amen. But we must plead the blood. Leaders, I'm telling you, plead the blood of people, of, of the Lord over the people that God has given you authority. Parents, plead the blood of Jesus over your family on a daily basis. It's the blood that covers us. It's the blood that protects us. And when the angel of death sees the blood, he has to pass over. He has to pass over. The blood protects us. Hallelujah. He promised that he will protect us from pestilences and viruses. Come on, my friends. He promised that he will protect us from floods and f famines and fires. He, he protects us from sickness and diseases. Come on, hallelujah. He protects us from our, in our, in our households, in our homes, and our physical bodies. Plead the blood. Make much about the blood of Jesus because when the angel of death sees the blood, he has to pass over. Come on, hallelujah. Speak the blood right now wherever you are. Get up on your feet. Speak the blood over your family and plead the blood over your household. Plead the blood over your family and your loved ones and your extended loved ones. In Jesus' name, hallelujah. We plead the blood of Jesus right now. We plead the blood of Jesus over our household. We plead the blood of Jesus over Cornerstone and all our affiliates, hallelujah. In Jesus' name, amen. You know, the prophets in the Old Testament were men of prayer. And it was the consecration and it was their prayers that often protected Israel. Make no mistake about it. Israel's last line of defense has never been in her Israeli defense force. It's always been in the Lord God of hosts, hallelujah, the Lord of armies of heaven. And the protection was mediated through the prophets, not her army. Think about that. As long as Samuel was around, the Philistines could not mess with Israel. As long as Elisha was around, Syria was a powerful army could not have the upper hand or could not outwit Israel. As long as Joshua was around, Israel was undefeated. As long as David was around, Israel was safe. Hallelujah. They were the true protectors of Israel. Come on, hallelujah. Woo! It's the same in the New Testament. In Acts chapter 20, Paul is giving his farewell address to the Ephesian elders in verses 29 to 31. And he says, for I know this, after my departure, watch this please, watch this, after my departure, 
savage wolves will come and, and, and among you not sparing the flock, also from among you yourselves will arise uh, those who speak perverse things to draw away disciples after themselves. Therefore watch and remember that for three years I did not cease to warn everyone day and night with tears. Wow. Man, I tell you this, as long as Paul was around, those wolves didn't mess with the, with the church because he was their defender. God protected the flock because he had a shepherd who would gladly lay his life down. And when a man is willing to risk his life for those that he loves, you don't want to mess that with the kind of man. Let me, trust, let me just say this to you, right? You know, I saw a powerful picture recently on Facebook. There's a picture of a sheep dog and it's covered in its own blood. And it's after fighting off the, the wolves, and it's bleeding, right? And the, the sheep just come and they gently comfort him. And I think this is one of the probably one of the most moving pictures I've ever seen because regardless of regardless of how strong or how emotionally tough a leader is, I tell you this: we often get hurt protecting the ones we love, and sometimes showing them that you care, showing them that you 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 love them does something to them. Amen. Now, I'm not fishing for compliments or anything like that. Sometimes, I'm telling you, it's always great to go up to the pastor or to your leaders and say, hey, I appreciate what you've done. I appreciate the prayers that you prayed over this house. And that's all they need to hear sometimes. That dog was willing to die for the sheep and that little gesture of appreciation from the sheep was all that is needed. I'm telling you, never take for granted those that God has put over your life, those who are willing to fight for you and stand for you in your time of need. Our God is a very present help in time of need. Amen. You know, I have a very low appetite for violence. By that, I mean, I don't like to watch real-life violence. I shun watching videos like from Storm and all these things because showing real-life fights because those things don't appeal to me, right? I have a distaste for those things. Uh, I don't mind watching those Kung Fu uh, movies, you know, because they're all bitty one, all right? Uh, but real-life gratuitous uh, violence, man, nah, that's not for me, all right? But make no mistake about it. Don't mistake that for weakness, all right? Because I've seen very mild-mannered people take down the fiercest fighters when the motivation was right, especially if they have to defend their family. And that's the reason why God never wanted uh, Israel to have a professional army. He always wanted Israel to have a volunteer army because a professional soldier fights for one thing, himself. He doesn't care for the country. He fights for one thing. He fights for himself and he fights for his wages. As long as you pay me the money, I'll fight for you. But a volunteer soldier, he could be a farmer. He could be a fisherman who knows that his family is at stake if he doesn't fight. Who knows that his family could, his wife could be raped, his children could be abused if he doesn't take a stand. And he rises up with a sickle in his hands, whatever implement he, that he might have. And I'll tell you this, he's willing to die for his family. He's willing to die for his, uh, his, 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 all that belongs to him. He's willing to die for the future of his country. He's willing to die for his destiny. You don't want to mess with this man. And anytime you find a volunteer who has got the right motivation, he's 10 times better than a professional soldier who knows how to fight. Come on. Because the motivation is different, amen. And I tell you, this is what we pray for in Cornerstone all the time, to have shepherds that will be willing to lay their lives down for those that God has called them to pastor. Hallelujah, Shandaraba. In John chapter 10 and verse 11, Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. Why is he the good shepherd? Because the good shepherd lays his life down for the sheep. That's it. And then in verse 12, watch this, a hireling, a hireling 
who is not the shepherd, one who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep. Jabot. And the wolf catches the sheep and scatters them and the hireling flees because he is a hireling and he does not care about the sheep. I'll tell you this, my friends, all those hirelings that come to church and work for a salary, you might as well just let them go. Hallelujah. You want people that love the sheep. Hallelujah. And that's how I know a hireling and from a shepherd who truly loves the people. The hireling, when he sees trouble, will up and leave because he doesn't care for the sheep. He only thinks about himself. But a true shepherd will always be willing to lay his life down for those whom we love. Amen. I know we are not always strong as we desire to be. Many times I, I get so frustrated with myself. I would say to the Lord, Lord, I'm so sorry I was not strong enough. I was not strong enough. But listen, I, I know we all wish we had more of the killer instinct, you know. But think about this. Jesus called Peter a rock long before he was stable, long before he was mature. And Jesus, when he first met Peter, Peter was a very wishy-washy kind of person, right? And uh, Jesus said, you are Peter, you're a rock, hallelujah. And I tell you this, my confidence is not in my own strength. My confidence is not in my own bravery, but it's, in the, and it, but it's, it's his ability to make me strong, hallelujah. It's the Lord who trains my fingers for battle and for my hands for war so that I can ban a bow, a bow of brass, hallelujah. He is the one who strengthens me for battle and gives me courage. A memorable experience happened many years ago. Uh, we were in China ministering with a group of friends, uh, my Chinese pastor and his wife, and their little daughter was with us. And we were flying back from the Chinese city back to Singapore, one stopover, and then another flight back to Singapore. And on our way, uh, the, our Chinese pastor, of course, uh, their daughter, we were in a plane with all the pressure and all that stuff. Uh, sometimes it gets very uncomfortable for children. We need to understand this. So the little girl starts crying, and, uh, and as good parents, they tried to pacify her. And uh, when all of a sudden, a passenger at the back started berating the, the, my, my Chinese pastors. At the top of his voice, he said, you don't know how to look after your kids, so what? So noisy, you know? you know, and incompetent parents, lousy parents. I mean, this guy was like, uh, he was a bully, right? My blood was boiling. I said, if he doesn't stop, I'm going to go out and hit him, right? But then he stopped, <laughs> he stopped renting. <laughs> Oh my goodness. He stopped renting and I said, all right, I'll pass, let this pass. The plane lands, it taxis, and the girl starts crying. He starts his nonsense again. Ah, you lousy parents, don't know how to look up at your kids. That's it. I walked to him and I threw all caution in the wind. I said to myself, I don't care if next day, tomorrow it comes on the newspapers, pastor fights in the aeroplane. But I was going to beat the heck out of it. I'm telling you this, I, I threw all caution. I was ready for altercation. Ah! And I went up to him, I said a few things that I cannot repeat here. <laughs> and that coward just backed up. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. You better back off, man. Hallelujah. Shanda. I felt like, a, I felt like Iron Man at that moment. You know? <laughs> I felt like Thor. I was going to hammer him. And he just backed off, you know, that, that coward. But he, the last thing I hate, I hate bullies, man. But I tell you what was the best thing. My, my pastors came up to me and they said, Pastor Young, that is the proudest moment in our lives. We're so proud of you that you stood for us. We needed someone who could fight for us. Come on, hallelujah. Shandaraba. You know, I, I once saw a hilarious YouTube video. They showed show the picture. It's quite funny. They, they showed, um, how many of you like that? Uh, just protection. It was like four angels watching you, but black ones. Huh? I, I was, uh, they, they stage a villain 
coming into the house and attacking the owner of the house and to see how the pet dog would respond. I don't know if you watched that. It's really funny. And so it's all staged and the pepperia comes in and has got his mask and and the, 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 the owner screams. And I tell you this, every in every instance, all those big dogs, and then run off. All these scary cats. Dogs that are scary cats. But there was only one dog, a chihuahua. Small. It was weak, it was small, and it was ugly. <laughs> but boy, that dog didn't run, man. It sounds like some wise to me. Okay, sorry. <laughs> but man, it was braver than all the other dogs. Braver. And that's what God is looking for in, the she- in His shepherds. When you see trouble, you don't run. You stand and see the salvation of God. John Piper says that unless we believe that this life is a war, we will not know what prayer is truly for. Think about this for a few moments. Think about this. In Ezekiel 34, the Lord had controversy, and I'll take the plane to a landing here in this, uh, in this verse. And He says in verse 2 to verse 4, Woe to the shepherds of Israel who feed themselves. Should not the shepherds feed the flock? They eat the fat, clothe themselves with wool. You slaughter the fatlings, but you do not feed the flock. The weak you have not strengthened, nor healed those who were sick, nor bound up the broken, nor brought back those who were driven away, nor sought what was lost, but with force and cruelty you've ruled them. Listen, my job as a pastor, your job, those pastors in Cornerstone, to feed, strengthen, heal, bind, restore, and seek those that God has entrusted to us. In other words, we are called to protect the sheep. Amen? And I've been in the last cause of many years, I've been threatened with violence, I've been cursed, I've been ridiculed, I've been reviled. I tell you this, and I don't complain for one moment because that is what I signed up for. I came into the full-time ministry because there was a fire that was burning in my heart. I'm called to be a protector of God's people by His grace and by His strength. And I don't complain about this for one moment. This is my ministry. And oftentimes, all a sheep wants, a shepherd, a sheep wants is for the shepherd to fight for them. I know this because sometimes I want people to fight for me as well. I recall praying in a contradictory season in my life several years ago. And I said, Lord, what I want for you what I want from you is I want you to fight for me. And I heard him respond so loudly in my spirit, in my heart. He said, I gave my life fighting for you. Come on. And that just so resonated in my spirit. He promised that he will protect us. He promised that he will never leave us, never forsake us. And we have to start changing the way we process things. Amen. Why? Because we start to stop behaving as though we're alone. Come on, my friends. So many Christians, the way they behave, you think that, they, that God has left them. And the only condition is you must not fight for yourself or defend yourself. If you try and hit back, you can negate God's protection over your life. That's why again and again in Scripture, we're exhorted not to strike back, not to revile when we are reviled, to bless those who persecute us, to pray for those who spitefully use us. All that is designed for our protection. If you will not retaliate, if you will not trade barbs and insults, then I tell you this, the Lord God will fight for you. And when God defends you, I pity those that He stands up against, that stands up against you. Come on, man. Hallelujah. If an earthly father is protective over his children, how much more our heavenly father? There was a story of a boy, and I'll close with this, went, fishing, uh, went swimming in a lake just behind his home. As he was swimming, he wasn't aware of the danger. There was a crocodile coming to his direction. True story. 
The mom was washing some dishes in the kitchen, saw the crocodile, ran out screaming, get out of the water, get out of the water. The boy turned, saw the crocodile, started making for the shore, but it was too late. The crocodile took, bit his legs and started pulling him. Just as the boy was going into the water, he felt this sharp pain in his arms. It was the, the nails of her mother, his mother pressing into him and pulling him out of the water. But the crocodile was stronger and so the boy started sinking into the water. But as they were screaming and shouting, they alerted the, the, the attention of a neighbor who saw what was happening and came with a revolver and shot the crocodile a few times. It died. They rushed the boy to the hospital, had a few surgeries and they managed to save his life. Several months later in the hospital, the journalist, it made, of course, the newspapers and everybody was raving about the story. And a journalist came and, and in the interview, he said, could you could show me the scars of the crocodile? And he lifted up the blankets to show him the scars and the man was horrified. And, the, and this young boy took off his t-shirt instead. He said, sir, you don't have to look at those scars because that's not the important scars. The one that you won't see are the scars on my hands when my mother's fingernails clung to me and she would not let go. She would not let go. And those were the only scars you need to see. Hallelujah. I tell you this, my friends, I'm here because I've got scars to show you how Jesus hung on to me and would not let me go. We all have two kinds of scars in our lives. One, when we are scarred by the events of our lives, offenses, people that hurt us, abused us. You know, scar... It's okay, it reminds us of something that happened in our lives. As long as it's not a scab. A scab is a wound that is still festering. And if you're a scab, you cannot enter into the presence of God. You have to allow the Holy Spirit to heal you. But you know, you must remember that there's another scar on you. And that's the scar that Jesus held on tightly to you. You know, Casting Crowns is a, a, a band. I, I'm, not, I'm not sure what kind of music they have. But good Christian music. They, they recently wrote a song called The Only the Scars in Heaven. And uh, part of the chorus says, The only scar in heaven is the one on the hands that hold you now. Hallelujah. And the reason why this is so moving is because the family that lost the boy, the Christians, and at the funeral, this was the song they played. The only scars in heaven are the ones on the hands that hold you right now. I want you to stand up wherever you are in your rooms because I want to pray for you. I feel the presence of God right now. I feel the Holy Spirit on me. And I feel the Holy Spirit in this, in this word. And He wants to reassure you of His protection. He wants to reassure you that He is your protector, that He is your defender, hallelujah, that He is your high tower, that He is a, your refuge, a present help in time of need. My friends, you've got to stop behaving and acting as if you are alone. You are never alone. He's always with you. He's always when sometimes we go through trials in life. Sometimes we go through the turbulence in our lives. But He's always there for you. He's always there. He's, sometimes He allows us to be tested like Simon Peter. But He says, I prayed for you and you will come true. You will come out of this stronger than ever before. Father, I just thank you, Lord, for every member of the church right now. Come on, pray in the Holy Ghost right now. Let's get in to pray hallelujah let's speak the blood parents speak the blood of Jesus over your children call them my name and say I speak the blood of Jesus over them speak the blood over your household speak the blood over your family speak the blood of your of Jesus over your extended families right now hallelujah 
Hallelujah. Oh, we thank you for your mercy and your protection, oh God. Hallelujah. I want to just pray right now because I, I, I know that there are many parents that are concerned for their kids. And it's always this, what happens if my kids get, you know, and all these questions and all are legit, legitimate questions. But will you trust the Lord? Will you have faith in God? The Bible says that if you don't have faith, you cannot please the Lord. You've got to start believing and trusting in your Heavenly Father. He's a good Papa. Served Him 31 years in full-time ministry. He's never let me down. He's never ever raised His voice against me, ever. He's always gentle. And I am the man I am today because of His gentleness, amen, towards me. And He's gentle towards you. So allow me to speak the blood of Jesus and pray and decree over the household of faith here in Cornerstone. Lord, I decree over Cornerstone, no cancer, no premature deaths, no suicides, no abortions, no miscarriages. Lord, no sexual immorality. I rebuke that spirit over this church. I pray no divorce over this house, no COVID, Lord. And again, for the older people, Lord, I speak no Alzheimer's, Lord, no Parkinson's disease, Lord. I pray that their minds will be lucid, Lord. Their bodies will be strong, hallelujah. I pray for your protection over the house of God. I pray, oh Jesus, that your, your blood that was shed for us at Calvary, I speak the blood over every member of Cornerstone. May you bless and watch over this household, Lord. Give charge to your angels over every one of them. Put a hedge of protection around them and all that belongs to them, Lord. And in Jesus' name, Lord, I pray that there'll be no breach in our walls, uh, that the angels of the Lord will watch over us at all times. Hallelujah. I thank you, Lord, for Cornerstone. I thank you that we have been called for battle, Lord. Oh, we put on the whole armor of God. Hallelujah. We put on the whole armor of God. We're not uh, ignorant uh, against the vile wiles of the enemy, Lord. He is a crafty enemy, but I thank you that he that is with us is greater than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. So again, I plead your blood, Lord. I speak your protection over all of Cornerstone. May you bless her. May you watch over her. And may you prosper all that is in this household. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody say, Amen. Praise the Lord. You've just listened to a production of Cornerstone Community Church. Please note that all unauthorized reproduction, distribution, or sale of the recording is prohibited. For permission to reproduce or distribute the sermon, please write into mail at cscc.org.sg. We hope that you have been blessed.